City of Heroes Podcast, Episode 1. Welcome to the City of Heroes Podcast, a resource for the casual Heroes gamer. My name is Chooch, and I'm here to explain basic and advanced features of COH, as well as giving tips and answering your questions about this great MMO. Hey everybody, we've got lots of news. Um, I was surprised at the amount of items, and it may push this episode pretty long. The topic isn't terribly long, but, um, well, it could be. So, I'm going to jump right into it. The biggest news is Issue 11. There's lots of information that's come out about what's going to come in Issue 11, and we'll jump right in. Uh, this issue has lots of love for the melee types. Um, tankers, scrappers, stalkers, brutes. This issue is issue 11 called A Stitch in Time. Gives players customizable weapons, some new power sets, new invention sets, and the ability to visit the past. First up is uh, the time travel, which is for everybody, and it's pretty exciting. I-11 is going to bring the Menders of Ouroboros which help players flash back through time in order to relive major events. Once a character is exposed to time travel, they receive a temp power that allows them to open a door to a new area called the Ouroboros Citadel. There are two types of missions. The first type comes from the stories and the COH comics and the game's established lore, allowing players to become the hero. Of course, flashbacks aren't just for heroes. The villains get in on the action, too like assisting Lord Recluse in 1964 during his early campaign to seize control of the Rogue Isles. For the second type of missions, players go to the Pillar of Ice and Flame, where they can see a list of their past mission chains. They can travel to one of these in a group, like a task force, or solo to complete story arcs they might have missed or outleveled. The game auto-exemplars players to the appropriate level, just like a task force again, they can even repeat these missions over and over, tweaking different parameters of the missions for a bunch of new badges. The changeable parameters include completing the mission in a specific amount of time, restricting the number of lives available, which limits the number of times it can be attempted, making the enemy stronger or making yourself weaker with debuffs, restricting the use of inspirations or not being able to use temp powers. I think this could really bring a lot of the fun to the game. Um, it's always frustrating when you outlevel a particular story arc and uh, you aren't able to see the content. Uh, frequently, you can exemplar down to a buddy, but sometimes, you know, they're uh, depending on the origin, they may not have gotten those mission chains. So this is going to be a great way to see a lot of content that you might have missed the first time, and maybe you don't want to uh, level up, you know, in the same way with the new character. Second up are new power sets. Uh, like I said, uh, and actually everything from here on pretty much is love for the melees. Uh, the two new power sets are dual blades and willpower. Dual blades, available to brutes, scrappers, stalkers, and tankers, not only let players brandish two different bladed weapons, but the order in which an attack gets executed will either buff your character or debuff an enemy. 
causing a secondary bonus effect. In addition, tankers, scrappers, brutes, and stalkers can harness willpower. This set offers a combination of resistance, defense, and regeneration powers, ideal for those jack-of-all-trade types with strong mental willpower and determination to ignore pain. There's going to be new invention sets, uh, not a lot of news here, basically sets that got left out in uh, previous issues, uh, so uh, invention sets for taunt, knockback, endurance modification to hit buff, to hit debuff, defense buff, and defense debuff. There will also be some new sets, which are termed very rare purple sets. These rare enhancements will go higher than level 50, which is the current cap, and will include melee damage, point-blank AoE damage, range damage, targeted AoE damage, pet damage, confuse, sleep, immobilize, hold, and stun. Another biggie for the melee class is weapon customization. This allows melee archetypes to replace the visuals of their current weapon with, with uh, new visuals. Here's a partial list. You can see a link of the complete list in the show notes. For assault rifle, you can now have a Tommy gun, a council submachine gun, or a nemesis rifle, uh, and a bunch of others. Axes can choose from a pickaxe, a shovel, or a rickety axe. Dual blades get things such as scimitar, a scythe, a rapier, a whole bunch of other ones I can't pronounce. For bows, there's a recurved bow, arcane bow, compound bow. Claws can choose from here or villain claws. Talsorian blades and shadow blades. Katanas. Katanas really got the least of everything. A couple examples are ninja blades or fantasy blades. Maces uh, can you wield. Uh, I think, you know, maces got the most of everything. But to keep the shorter, uh, sledgehammer, carnival mallet, or a shovel <laughs> could be pretty funny. Pistols. Uh, revolver with a laser sight. A flint lock or a mini Uzi. Pulse rifles, can use a cray pulse blaster, a rickety blaster, a retro rifle, and broadswords, uh, among others, can choose a cutlass, a su katana, or a rickety sword. Today, I'm recording actually on Monday, October 22nd, and today is the launch of the Halloween event. The Halloween event this year runs from October 22nd through November 4th. If you are new to the game and haven't seen it, the Halloween event allows both heroes and villains to trick-or-treat within their respective cities. Uh, just like previous years, you simply click, uh, which is knocking, on a, any non-mission door and either receive a trick, which is an ambush of a bunch of baddies, or a treat, which is an inspiration, a salvage piece, or this year you might even get a temp power that turns you into one of the many popular non-player characters in the game. Some of these temp costumes include a Corlax minion, a Paragon protector, or even a Vazalok Eidolon. Uh, of course, there are some new badges available for collecting the most costumes, among other things. And again, we'll see the minions of the Unseelie Court hanging around Eokai and Jack and Irons for another chance of getting those badges. As I said, links to in-depth information on all of these topics, uh, there's a lot of Issue 11 stuff, can be found in the show notes at Oxfoot.com. The main topic this episode is terminology. 
like I said in the debut episode, I'm hoping that this will give you a good foundation for future topics. And uh, this is really a broad view. I don't get into a lot of specifics, but a lot of these basic things are going to evolve into their own shows because a lot of it's really, really in-depth. And uh, there was a lot of new stuff, so I'm going to try to get through these fairly quickly. Great thing about having a podcast, you can always back up if, if you miss something, if I'm going too fast. First of all, uh, COH, City of Heroes. There's COH and COV, City of Villains. Sometimes both on message boards, they'll refer to as COX. And it is an MMO or MMORPG, which stands for Massively Multiplayer Online Role-Playing Game. It is released by NCSoft and developed by Cryptic Studios. Those roles can be confusing, and a lot of people just use them interchangeably. Basically, Cryptic Studios are the actual developers. They do the artwork. They do, you know, all the all the actual programming. And it is distributed and run by NCSoft. And I'm not even totally clear. I believe NCSoft actually houses the servers. And um, I know they do, you know, all the accounting work and that sort of thing. So within these two companies, some terms around COH itself are releases, which you heard in the, uh, in the news segment. They, the releases are the free expansion packs in the game. Along the comic book theme, each one is a release with a, a certain time. So this is release 11, a stitch in time. So, and they typically always have a, uh, some kind of theme that ties what's coming in it together. Another term is GM. Uh, stands for Game Master, and these are people within the game that you can uh, go to for help. They, you can contact them within the help menu um, if you have problems in-game, and sometimes they will have a certain... I don't know if it's a title or something in their name that lets you know that they are GM. Uh, they could, of course, be lurking around all over the place, and you never know. Another common term referred to is server or shard. A server is you've I'm sure if you've actually logged into the game you've seen Champion and Justice and Triumph and all of these are complete copies of the entire gaming world and you can only be in one at a time and when you're in one you can only interact with other people that are in within that same server now City of Heroes is unique to other games where there is a global chat system which means if your buddy's on a different server you can still chat text do text chat with them and uh uh, that's this is the first game that I've ever played that had that across shards or across servers, but of course you can't see them and uh, you can't interact with them in any other way. One quick note on that: a lot of games are moving towards being shardless or serverless, which means the entire game population is actually all within one server, um, such as Eve Online. But the reason it works with something like Eve is it's such a huge expansive world that there aren't ever too many people in one place at the same time. And that when that happens, when too many people, it causes lag, which is another term. Um, lag is when there is a lot of network traffic and basically the servers can't keep up with everybody. So the game anticipates where it thinks people are going to move but maybe they didn't necessarily really move that direction, so people kind of disappear and reappear in other places. A lot of times different uh, effects won't be seen, and you can get what's called rubber banding, which is when you're moving forward, but the lag uh, from your client perspective, you see yourself moving, but when the server misses 
uh, network data packets, it catches up to you and it pulls you back. So it can feel like you're stuck on a rubber band constantly going forwards and backwards and very difficult in battle and can be very dangerous getting around town. So those are terms that you're going to hear a lot. People talk about the lag monster and uh, it's usually either something on their end where they're having a problem with their ISP or maybe somebody in their household doing a big download or it could be the servers. And there's a few ways in the game that you can tell which it is, um, which we'll get to in a different episode. Uh, it's way too in-depth to go into here. Of course, since this is a role-playing game, everybody has a character, and other terms for a character is a tune or an avatar. And those characters have... Uh, most people play a main, which is the the first character that they're really trying to level up and trying to really accomplish things with, and they might refer to other characters as alts. So those are characters that they don't really play quite as much, and some people are altaholics where <laughs> they just have servers filled with multiple characters because they want to try out a lot of different uh, archetypes, and it's a really good thing when you're first starting out to try a whole bunch of different ones. Um, there's nothing worse than getting to level 36 with a tune that you're not, you realize you're not having that much fun with and then starting over, uh, is from personal experience. <laughs> um, my first significant tune I really got anywhere with was a mind force field controller. And the problem with the mind controller is a lot of their holds are mental based and they put things to sleep and right around those levels, everybody's getting these really nifty AOE powers that wake them up all the time. So holds are constantly being blown. So I went back and started over and I created a blaster and that blaster surpassed the controller and uh, is now my only current 50. Um, who is a Fire Devices, which is a very fun build. Since then, I've gone back and respect the controller to compensate for my play style, and I went with lots of different holds that cannot be broken, and then more uh, things that would buff my team. I typically play support roles. That's what I usually have the most fun with, which is kind of weird since then I end up with a blaster that gets to level 50. But um, support roles are generally what I have the most fun with, and once I respect that controller, I've had a lot more fun with them. There's a couple terms I used in there, which um, respec, uh, which is basically you get a respec token by, per, by uh, completing a certain task force, and that allows you to repick the powers for your character. So you start as if you were level one again on the, on the build screen, and you start picking powers, and you just pick, 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 and then you pick slots, and then you fill the slots. Uh, the only thing in a respec that catches some people by surprise is you cannot change what the base power pools are. So if you are a fire blaster and you go to respec, you cannot respec to ice. You can pick different attacks within the fire pools, but you can't change which pool that's in. So within the broad term of characters, there's a lot of things that get brought up there. One is, like I said, slotting and enhancements, and that is uh, when you pick a power... You get those that little empty dot for that power, and the enhancements will increase that power. We'll have one show dedicated to enhancements because it can be pretty tricky 
and it can be confusing for new players exactly how the enhancements interact, how they, how many you're allowed to stack with other, uh, you know, within a power before they lose effectiveness, and then the whole subject of the uh, the different types of enhancements because there are training enhancements, single origin, dual origin, Hamadon origin, invention. So it's a pretty in-depth topic, but basically it just lets you make a power stronger. And each power has certain enhancements that they can take and cannot take. So typically this would be something that's a, a attack would allow you to increase how much damage it'll do. It'll let you increase the accuracy of the attack, but it won't let you increase, like, say, sleep duration, because most attacks don't put anything to sleep. Another topic within the broad scope of characters are costumes, and costumes are pretty self-explanatory. Um, <laughs> you can do certain missions that allow you to have multiple costumes. Uh, currently, you can have up to five costumes. Of course, you start out with one, and you uh, before you get, and get to two or three, you're going to hit basically level 30, level 40, and you eventually open up all five. The term powers is used a lot, which is basically just, you're a superhero, what powers do you have? And there's many different types of powers. There are offensive attack powers, there are buffs, which help your team out, so maybe a buff would be, uh, a good buff is fortitude, which you, you perform on a teammate and it makes them have much higher accuracy and do more damage output, and it also gives them a little bit of defense, so when they get hit, they don't get hurt too much. Great to give blasters and controllers. There's debuffs, which will reduce the attack strength of the enemy, and there's other powers, healing powers and controlling powers. So it's all about powers, and the powers are limited by which archetype you chose. I just realized that this is going a lot longer than I'd originally anticipated, so we're going to take a quick break, play a promo for a great podcast novel, and uh, be right back. You dared to turn out the lights and visit a place of fear, a place where the shadows smile. The journey into the darkness has threatened the very root of your sanity. Now, the story is almost over. And when Crescent finishes, you know you'll be hungry for more. On November 10th, 2007, join Phil Rossi, the author and twisted mind behind the station, and Big O, the voice of the Technofodder podcast, for a Q&A session streamed live via TalkShoe and Second Life. Now's your chance to ask Rossi just what demons keep him awake at night. There will be a reading of new material and an acoustic performance of music from the Crescent Original Podcast soundtrack. Susan Jewell, a.k.a. Jewel Resistance, opens the show. Saturday, November 10th, 2007, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Even Sigler's going to be scared of this one. Some places are far darker than deep space. Find out why. See crescentstation.net for details. (laughs) 
Now that I think of it, I said archetype a few times, and I never actually said what it is. Archetype could also be described in other games as your class, which means it's it's the type of character you are. City of Heroes doesn't really have races. Um, you you know we're all they have origins, and the origins do not really affect your performance in the game. All it really does, it picks the two powers you start out with, which are pretty weak, and they'll only really serve you to maybe level 10, and they determine what types of enhancements you can use, and they actually put you on the path of your mission chains. You get different mission chains depending on which archetype you are. Now, there's the primary archetypes, and then there are epic archetypes for heroes. To unlock an epic archetype, which are the Keldians, and Keldians can either be a Warshade or a Peacebringer, you have to get a hero to level 50. And that's like the big reward, is you now unlock these two other interesting characters. And, uh, you know, Keldians can be their own show too, I think. There's a lot of, a lot of info that goes with Keldians. They're a lot of fun to play. And uh, they can also be a big pain in the butt. But unfortunately, currently on villains, there are no epic archetypes for villains. And something I'm sure a lot of villains are upset about. Cryptic has promised that there will be villain archetypes in the future. But I, to my knowledge, they have not said which issue that can be expected in. The next broad category within the game are accomplishments. And accomplishments can be expressed in many different ways. The core thing in pretty much any game is leveling. You get experience points, or if you are defeated, you get debt, which is negative experience points effectively. And you have to achieve a certain experience, uh, a certain number of experience points to get to your next level. Once you get to your next level, you can go to a trainer, and on basically... On even levels, you get to pick new powers, and on odd levels, you get to add slots to some existing powers. This changes up a bit later on in the game, uh, where you start getting three slots, and you actually don't get to pick powers later on for a few levels, which got pretty annoying when you don't know what's coming. But (laughs) um, it's all a, a balance issue with the game. Another set of accomplishments are badges, and you receive badges for doing certain things. Now, that certain thing could be uh, defeating a certain number of bad guy. So, you know, if you defeat a certain number of skulls, then you get the skull badge. Or exploring, there are exploration badges. So simply walking around the different zones, you're going to stumble across these little badge things stuck in the ground, and that gives you a badge. Anytime you find one of those, you get a little bit of experience, and you can actually, uh, each one has a unique name that you can uh, use as sort of a title. Another accomplishment is completing missions. Um, Missions will definitely be its own topic. Uh, there mm, There are a few primary types of missions. Um... There's a mission where you need to, what might be referred to as a mail run or a milk run, which is basically you need to go talk to a certain contact, and then they'll give you a clue, which usually leads to another mission. There are timed missions where you have to complete the objectives in a certain amount of time. 
There are escort missions where you go in the map, you have to find a certain somebody, and then you have to escort them to the exit. And of course, while you're doing that, there are bad guys that are trying to stop you. There are protection missions where there's some object in the game that you need to protect from the bad guys. It could be that they're going to destroy a pillar or a tower or something. I'm sure I'm forgetting some other mission types, but oh, bomb diffusing missions and there's a whole bunch of different things. You know, they mix it up and you really get to know them as you progress um, because you do lots and lots and lots of missions. One other topic are zones. The zones are the different areas of Paragon City. There are a couple different types of zones. There are what are known as city zones, which you can usually get to just using the trains, which is you know, part of the transportation system. I'll get to that in a second. There's a few different modes of transportation. And so the city zones, anybody can enter. And you, and you might not want to because you may be too, too low of a level to, uh, to uh, <laughs> not be defeated. But there are, and then there are hazard zones. Hazard zones, you have to be, you have to meet a certain level minimum to get in. So, for instance, one of the first hazard zones you come across is the hollows. You have to be level 5 to get in. If you're under level 5, it simply won't let you in. There are a couple other special types of zones that I won't really go into here, but just be aware that they do exist and there are certain ways to get to them, but they'll be, they'll come out in another topic. Uh, so, related to zones of transportation, how do you get around? Well, once you get to level 12, as long as you've met some prerequisites and the power pools, you can get your first real travel powers, which are flying, super speed, super jump, teleportation, those sorts of things. However, a much faster way to get around are the trains. There are the is the yellow line, which goes to certain zones, and the green line, which goes to other zones. And there are a couple zones that uh, you can interchange from the yellow line to the green line. Of course, you have to cross the map to get to them. And then there's the portals. And portals are represented on the map. You'll see them as this big blue pillar of light. And you simply click on a portal, and then it asks you if you want to go to a base. Of course, that means you have to actually have a base. How do you get a base? Well, you have to be part of a supergroup that has a base, or you create your own supergroup, then you automatically get a base. Now, to access a base, you have to own City of Villains. If you only own City of Heroes, you cannot use bases. It was part of villains as an expansion, you have to have both. Um, most new players will already have both because they probably bought the GV, G versus E uh, set, which included both. But just be aware that if you can't get in and you're not sure why, that might be why. You might only have City of Heroes. Uh, there are a few teleportation powers that you can get if you purchased the Pocket D pack, um, which was, I think, $10.00 then at any time you want, you can hit a button and you can automatically teleport to Pocket D, which is a, a special zone I'll talk about in a minute. And you can also buy tokens from the auction houses to automatically teleport to an auction house. Oh, there is also a veteran reward, which we'll also talk about later, which allows you to teleport to your SG base whenever you want. Okay, a large topic are the controls in the game, and each of these will certainly be their own show. The controls are represented by the user interface, or UI, you'll see on the forums and sometimes uh, within the game. The user interface is how you interact with the game, simply put. There are keyboard controls, which, uh, you know, for instance, the W to go forward, S to go backwards, A and D to strafe left and right, which are customizable. 
and people do what are called custom keybinds. And a keybind is simply you take one of the keys that aren't used in the game and you can type in a command that locks a certain power to one of those keys. These are very helpful to trigger multiple commands at the same time. Something similar are macros. And a macro is similar to a keybind where you type in a command, only it puts a little icon in your tray and you can click on it and it'll perform that command. So a lot of people use macros to do certain um, emotes, which uh, we get into in the discussing the chat system. Um, simply has an emotion that your character performs, which are usually accompanied with a sound or a certain animation of your character. And you can combine macros and keybinds to do some pretty interesting things. Another subject with the user interface are third-party add-ins. Now, third-party add-ins are against the terms of service. Um, if you're caught using them, you could lose your account. You could be suspended from the game. There are a few that are seem to be tolerated and are in pretty widespread use. The first one is Hero Stats, and another one is City Info Terminal. Um, I will do an, a show dedicated to add-ins. Um, and they can really enhance the gaming experience. So they give you extra information about things that are going on in the game. And uh, as long as they don't interact directly with the game, as long as they don't take control of your character, it doesn't seem that, uh, that the developers seem to care too much. Um, obviously, if there was something that would you know, automatically control your character, they would frown on that because uh, it could be used for nefarious purposes. Something big in any MMO is a combat system. Combat system is pretty self-explanatory. It's really the name of the game is <laughs> defeating bad guys or going into what they call PvP areas, which is short for player versus player. In some forums, you might see PvP or PvE, which is player versus environment. PvE is kind of the default how you play the game, which is doing missions and running around, you know, beating on bad guys. PvP is where you go to certain areas of the game, uh, such as Bloody Bay or Warburg or Siren's Call, and they're specifically there for the heroes to fight against the villains. And there are certain objectives within those zones that helps everybody in the zone. And uh, it gets pretty involved. There's a lot of temp powers that you can get within those PvP zones. Another form of PvP are the arena. And the arena allows heroes to spar with other heroes. And you can pick the different environments that you're going to do the, the fighting. Um, within Pocket D, the heroes can fight against villains in a safe way. There's also something called gladiators, which allows you to control a set of bad guys. And uh, those bad guys you kind of collect on your way through the game. That's another one of the accomplishments, actually, is when you perform certain tasks in the game, you will get new gladiators to add to your collection. And another show will get into the strategy and the roles within a team. Um, it's very important to know what your archetypes' strengths are and what's going to be expected of you when you're on a team. Uh, nothing worse than having a blaster who thinks they're a tanker and goes charging into every single group and gets wiped over and over again and in turn gets the whole group wiped. That can be a big pain in the butt. Speaking of is the social system within the game. Part of the social system are the supergroups, 
which is some it's the same thing as a guild in many other games which is just simply a collection of heroes that all link together you see the name of the supergroup underneath as you move around the zones everybody can see your sg name there are certain roles within the sg there's sg officers which have different rights um, every sg has a base and with that base you can redesign it and you can put special items in there you can put portals to all of the different zones in the game within the base which is very helpful to get around you can put in a medical reclamator which allows you instead of when you're defeated instead of going to a hospital you can just go to your base and you can stock up on inspirations so that's a little bit about the bases uh, another social thing is teaming in the game which is obviously a big deal uh, you can have up to eight heroes or villains can team together within their respective areas and you complete missions together you can uh, if you have the same mission um, from the same contact when you go into the mission and or I'm sorry when you complete the mission um, everybody on the team gets the choice to hold on to their existing mission so they can go back and run it again for more XP or to simply complete it now and then it clears it out they can go back to their contact and get the next mission in their chain there's a special kind of team called a task force which is similar to existing teams but it's it's you actually perform a series of missions together and there are some special rules that go along with that there's some special features for instance when you log out of the game at the end of the night and uh, if the task force hadn't been completed yet when you come back in you're still on the task force and you're still in the team so you don't have to go find each other and invite each other another big social aspect is chatting and the chat channels channels are similar to CB channels where you can read everything that's going on within the channel you're in but you can change channels um, within the user interface there are different tabs and each of those tabs you can customize which channels are going to be displayed so you can have you know maybe your team chat in one tab all by itself so that you're not distracted by broadcast or local chat um, there are several built-in some which are broadcast which is everybody in the zone can read and speak and interact on that channel there's the help channel which displays by default in blue uh, which people will ask questions and people that are more senior to the game might answer them in there local chat can only be seen by people that are pretty in pretty close proximity to you there's an sg channel which is everybody in your supergroup can see it and there's a coalition coalitions are actually groups of supergroups so you can put a link between your supergroup to other supergroups which allows all of you to communicate and that way if you're it kind of expands the pool of people you know when you first sign on and and want to look for somebody to team with maybe that way you can find a friend of a friend it's also used for other for uh, raids and other, some other things that we'll certainly get into it another time and another very big topic is crafting crafting allows you to take salvage which you get from defeating bad guys and combine the salvage in a certain way by following a recipe which also you get from defeating bad guys to create things uh, you could create enhancements which are typically better than the ones you can buy at the stores in the game depending on your level and the level of the enhancement 
and you can build costume parts. So you may see a lot of people running around with wings. There are some wings that you get as veteran rewards, and there are some wings that you have to actually create. Along with the invention system came the auction houses, which is basically just a way for you to buy and sell things. And uh, it's a pretty interesting system. It's a little different than the auction systems on other games, such as World of Warcraft. Um, but it, um, I really like how it works. I think it works well. Another big topic we're going to go into is ethics. And it may seem like ethics is out of place for a video game, but there are, I guess, another title for it could be etiquette rather than ethics. But it's simply how you carry yourself within the game, how you interact with other users, and it's going to be filled with a lot of do's and don'ts, particularly when you're on a team, but also just generally interacting with people. So there's a somewhat long-winded of some broad topics that come up in the game. Clearly, these were all very lightly touched on, and in a future episode, we're going to go in-depth in a lot of these. I'm not sure what the topic next week's going to be, but we're definitely going to build on at least some of these terms, and then in future shows we'll get into many more advanced topics. If you have a particular topic that you want explored in depth that you may find confusing, you can send an email to cohpodcast at gmail.com. I would uh, be happy to answer any questions that come up and cover specific topics that you want to hear about. Thanks for listening. This podcast and the Oxfoot.com website are not in any way affiliated with NCSoft, Cryptic Studios, or City of Heroes. All views expressed are solely of the host and his guests. This podcast is released under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Like License, which is explained in detail at Oxfoot.com. Good hunting, heroes!